0: now, The Mentors Radio, one of the most popular and unique shows on the air today. Here each week, remarkable CEOs and leaders, including host Tom Laurie and Dan Hesse, and their guests, will mentor you, challenging your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their ethical leadership and advice, and for helping others succeed throughout their careers, now these same CEOs, The Mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life at work, and in business. Learn more and check out the show notes at TheMentorsRadio.com. That's TheMentorsRadio.com. And now, here's your mentor.
1: Welcome, I'm Tom Laurie, and I'll be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Sales is a life skill. It is a fundamental skill, and if you've developed it, you know that it is a difference maker in one's career and in life. And... Unfortunately, it isn't, but it should be taught in high school and college. Today, our guest mentor is Dr. Cindy McGovern, who is best known as the First Lady of Sales. She has her doctorate in organizational communication from Florida State University and serves today as the CEO of Orange Leaf Consulting. Cindy ended up in a sales job by accident, and this took her on an unexpected path to inspire others by getting them to think differently about sales, selling, and success. She earned her national reputation by helping companies harness their untapped reservoir of talent to create dynamic and successful sales organizations. She's authored two books, Sell Yourself, and Every Job is a Sales Job. So let's get started. Welcome, Cindy, to the Mentors Radio. What set you on the path that led you to your career?
2: First of all, thanks for having me, Tom. It's great to be here. And what set me on the path for this career, like you said, I got into sales by accident, (laughs) kind of a reluctant salesperson. But once I got into sales, I did realize that I had actually been selling my whole life. I just didn't call it sales. I called it persuading or convincing. And I thought, okay, I have a PhD in communication, but I was never taught this So that's what really led me to start helping others to kind of embrace their inner salesperson and really use the skills of sales pros to not only grow their business, but to reach their own goals.
1: And that first job in sales, what was it? Who was it with and what were you selling?
2: It was a consulting.
1: You you mentioned that your whole life has been about selling, but I'm talking about (laughs) the the job that you got paid
0: for.
2: Yeah, the the first one word actually said that on my business card, right? So (laughs) when we had those, Um, it was a consulting firm that did corporate training and I was hired to be a trainer. And then when I got put into that sales role, I thought, oh, wait, I I can't do that. Like I'm, I'm doing management and communication. And when I started trying to learn to sell, what I realized is it's just about helping other people. And I like doing that, I'm, I enjoy that. And so I had to find a way to create a sales process that felt authentic to me, but it really just stemmed from understanding what other folks needed and being able to deliver on that if I could.
1: And in your time in the field, as we say, what do you think, and the work that you're doing now, what's the most common mistake that people make in sales?
2: The most common is they don't actually ask, (laughs) which I know sounds crazy to folks like you and me, but there's this amazing forgetfulness at the end of a great sales conversation where there's this assumption that, oh, we've had this wonderful conversation. Of course, Tom is gonna sign on the dotted line or yeah, I'll send him the agreement and of course he'll send it back. But we have to remember that there's an invitation that must be extended. a sale to actually occur. And so if we're not doing that, we're leaving a lot of money money on the table.
1: And when you were out in the field doing the thing that you were doing best and certainly improved on it over time with your your, uh, understanding of it, tell us about one, one of the most challenging sales encounters that you had while you were selling and how did you handle it?
2: So one of the most challenging was early in my career, but I think I've had <laughs> had others since then. But one sticks out, which was it was probably the biggest sale the company had made at a single sale. And it was on my shoulders. And quite frankly, I was still pretty new here. And I remember my boss said, you got this like you you can handle it. And I thought, I, I can't handle this. Like I, I need a senior person with me. And he goes, "Nope, you got this. You scoped it. You You can figure it out. But what was challenging about that sale is there were so many levels of and layers of leadership in the organization and layers of dynamics and politics. And so what made it challenging was I had to not only sell to the person who was going to sign, but I had to sell to all the other layers of the relationship to make sure everyone was bought in. So when we got to the table for the signature to happen, there was no doubt that everyone else was in support of that. And the reason that one sticks out is that was the first time I had what I call a multi-level sale. And it was an amazing experience, quite frankly. And now, you know, we do these all the time, but at the time that was pretty scary.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm in the healthcare field and multi-level selling is the name of the game. So so I am gonna be assuming, I'm, I'm assuming, you were thrown into the pit and you weren't given any training. Is that true? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> that happens quite often, doesn't it? Absolutely. So, what is the advice that you would give somebody that is considering going into a sales job? With all that you've just said, what what would you recommend to them? And getting started.
2: So- Yeah, so it's a great question, and it's a different time now. You know, I'm decades before now, so there's a lot of free resources out there for budding and even experienced salespeople. We can go to the internet, we can read books, we can listen to podcasts. So there's resource. But back then, unless you knew what sales book to look for that would speak to your process, it was kind of hard to track those down. So I leaned on mentors, truthfully. I leaned on people in the organization that I respected. I asked, hey, can I sit in and listen to this sales call? Can I watch you? And tried to find ways to do it. But I think the thing that was an advantage to me then, and I do believe is still an advantage now, is I'm a naturally curious person. I'm a researcher by trade as a PhD. So I'm constantly seeking more information. And so I started there. I just started gathering information. And that's what led me to kind of create my own sales process at the end of the day, based on everything I'd learned from others that I watched and what I had read.
1: Well, we're going to come back and talk about that curious instinct that you have, because we're going to talk a little bit about consultative selling. Uh, But let's take a break a little bit earlier than usual, but we'll pick it up on the other end. We'll be right back with the first lady in sales, Dr. Cindy McGovern. Go to our website, thementorsradio.com, and click on the list of shows to listen to past shows. Subscribe while you're there so you don't miss any future shows. This is Tom Laurie, and you're listening to The Mentors Radio Show.
0: And now, back to the mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.
1: Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Dr. Cindy McGovern, the author of Every Job is a Sales Job How to Use the Art of Selling to Win at Work, and the book Sell Yourself, the most recent book how to create, live, and sell a powerful personal brand. Remember, you can also listen to the show or any previous show via podcast on iTunes. Sp- TuneIn, in Spotify, Google, and more on any device at any time. You can subscribe at the mentorsradio.com. So let's go back and talk a little bit about your journey. How did you become the first lady of sales?
2: Um, I wish I remember who actually said it. And if you're listening to this uh, radio show right now or listening to the podcast, I'd love for you to speak up because I was about to be introduced to give a speech. And somebody said, well, the next step is this little lady. And someone who was in the room, I don't remember the gentleman, I don't remember who it was, said, little lady, she's like the first lady. And me being the salesperson, I went, wait a minute, that sounds pretty good. I'll take that. <laughs> so took it and ran with it. And It sort of stuck over time it started as kind of a joke and a giggle and then really stuck and and oftentimes i was the only woman on the stage in sales back then and now you know we've got this amazingly diverse um group of sales folks out in the world which is really fun and
1: going further back let's talk a little bit about your family how many kids are in the family and a little bit about your mom and dad
2: So youngest of six, blended family, Brady Bunch, three boys, three girls. I am Cindy, the youngest in curls. (laughs) So um, and so I guess you could also say that I was probably selling back then as the baby of the family, trying to screech over everyone else to get what I wanted and that sort of thing. But I learned a lot. I mean, they were all mentors to me growing up and watched what they did and, you know, learned from all of them i was obviously an observer at a very young age and stuck with that basically the rest of my life which is where i think my curiosity came from
1: and were either of your parents involved in selling or marketing
2: my mother was an entertainer to start with Uh, she was a singer and so i would say that she was selling it every night from the stage but funny enough when she retired from the stage she did go into sales and was selling light bulbs, believe it or not. And, you know, carrying around her suitcase to different organizations and different businesses. And I remember she would win these towels. There was always a towel was a prize. (laughs) And so we used them for beach towels, but she never talked much about it other than the fact that she went to help people. She went to try to help people. And I thought that was really cool.
1: And any of your siblings, have they gone into sales?
2: No, they haven't. Everybody kind of went the other direction.
1: <laughs> so then you went on and you got a a, a degree at a PhD. Why a PhD? I mean, usually a lot of the sales people there aren't too many doctors running around out there that are sales professionals.
2: So I started thinking I was going to be a college professor. And so that's really what I was going to school for. I wanted to do communication and communication ethics and communication more than anything. And so I went for my PhD, did my dissertation on nonverbal communication and creating ethical systems. And then I was a college professor for almost five years. And like many professors, started consulting in the summer. And I realized I really liked the adult population better than the 18 to 22 year olds. And that's what led me into consulting full time. And I never looked back. I absolutely love it.
1: So nonverbal communication is a great subject area and uh I know it comes into play whether you're selling a product or yourself. Let's talk a little bit about your thoughts on nonverbal and the importance of what people can do to try and let's see, be more I, I don't know if it's empathetic. Uh it's, you know, how do they gain that skill? That's a that's a really important skill.
2: It's a hugely important skill that's not really taught. If we think about like all of the courses that we take in school, in high school or college rarely do you end up with a nonverbal communication course unless you're a comms major. And so we have to remember that we're selling what we do to the five senses. We're selling our personal brand to the five senses, we're selling ourselves. And so a lot of that in most cultures, depending on where you're listening from today, is nonverbal. And we have to remember that in this digital and hybrid world, that communication that we're using, that text message, that email, is nonverbal communication at the end of the day. And so it's not just in the way that your body language is, but it's your digital language as well. So I think it's more important now than ever, quite frankly.
1: Yes. Any one or two big tips on the digital language side of that?
2: Yes. So I think that you have to remember when you are communicating digitally that you are creating an experience for the recipient, it's not just a relay of communication they're experiencing who you are and your own personal brand in that moment so the way that you communicate the way that you sell yourself really goes to your credibility goes to building trust with that other person and ultimately your ability to sell them something else and the second thing for digital is know your audience, (laughs) know the room, read the room, and recognize how they will receive that. And I see this a lot with generational differences in the workplace. Younger generations will use emojis. Great, and I can respond to emojis, but if you're speaking to a more mature generation, maybe that comes across as immature, disrespectful, non-communicative. So recognizing who that recipient is gonna be and how they're gonna read it, is a huge part of nonverbal communication in the digital age
1: this is tom laur you're listening to the mentors radio show we are with sales skills expert cindy mcgovern so the um uh, my brother would tell you that i am in responding to emails a person that responds in very few words <laughs> and i think this was a reaction to earlier in my career where i got emails i i once uh ran a an international operation with 3500 people and my in basket every day was a foot deep and i found people take a lot of time sometimes to say something they can say in a very short period of time any any i mean that gets back i mean that's i'm the audience for that i'm just like hey i'm overwhelmed any thoughts on that
2: absolutely well that goes to to knowing the audience and reading the room and if i knew you and i knew that was the case i'd be pretty brief and say hey tom here's where we're at here's what i need let's go but also re- recognizing that there's a courtesy that goes along with that. And that's a kindness that people are doing for you by respecting your time and respecting that you know it needs to be brief. And I think a lot of people don't read the room, so they make the mistake. Uh, But I do also believe that there's some pleasantries involved. You know, good morning, Tom. Good afternoon, Tom. (laughs) That doesn't need to be skipped. We have to remember that you're still greeting that person. And I always giggle when I get an email or a text message. No punctuation, run on sentence. It's the old college professor and me. And I go, wait a second, what am I reading? (laughs) here? So there are some really simple things that you can do, even in a short message, to help sell your message and sell yourself. So what
1: you're really getting at, again, how we started the show is that we're always selling, whether it's an email, whether you think you're selling a product, we're selling ourselves. And and that gets us to something that I know you're big on, and that's our personal brand. And how we do this has a lot. Let's talk a little bit about personal brand and how this reflects on our brand or how we can develop that brand.
2: So What what really brought me to write this book is all the changes that the world went through. And people have to recognize that they're selling themselves all day, every day, and everybody has a personal brand, whether they realize it or not. (laughs) You might be the only one that doesn't think you have one. But truthfully, every listener out there, you have one. Is it helping you or hindering you? And that is the best tool in your sales toolbox is your personal brand. Because if I don't trust you as a person, I don't trust that you can follow through on that project. I don't trust whatever you're gonna sell to me. I don't trust that you'll be a good resource. So if you're not selling yourself and building that trust with your brand and having that consistency, it really can be a hindrance in your career, but also in your life.
1: And with all of that in mind, what do you think uh, people misunderstand most about their brand and about selling? I mean, again, this is all the time, but what do they misunderstand?
0: A lot
2: of people misunderstand that they have a brand, even if they're not a quote, public figure. And I've had people even say this when I've given speeches or at conferences, are like, yeah, but I'm not. I'm not out in front of people. You know, I'm not in the public eye. You interact with humans, you've got a brand, whether you recognize that, you know, at the end of the day or not, and whether you mean to have one or not. And so, you know, maybe you're the parent that always brings the best cupcakes. Maybe you're the neighbor that makes the best barbecue. That's a brand. And so you're either leaning into it or you're leaning away from it. It's either helping you or it's stalling you. And so once you start knowing the brand that's out there, then you can look at the facets of your brand you want to elevate to help you get closer to your goals.
1: And uh when you think about this, uh the other thing is misunderstanding the audience. I We live in, a, I think people would say, a fairly narcissistic uh, world today. Um, And understanding the audience has got to be a big part of what people are missing.
2: It's a huge part of what people are missing. And I would tell you, a lot of people will come to me and say, well, Dr. Cindy, you know, I don't need to sell my brand. They know about me. And my answer is, it's narcissistic to think that everybody's stopping everything they're doing just to think of us. So we have to be proactive about selling who we are and knowing how it's going to affect the other person so they can help us.
1: Well, great. We're going to come right back with the first lady in sales, Dr. Cindy McGovern. Remember, you can listen live to our Saturday broadcast anywhere in the world by going to San Francisco's 8:60 a.m. The Answer. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors
0: Radio Show. And now, back to the Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome
1: back. This is Tom Lauren. I'm with Dr. Cindy McGovern, the author of Every Job is a Sales Job, How to Use the Art of Selling to Win at Work, and his most recent book, Sell Yourself How to Create, Live, and Sell a Powerful Brand. So, what? how many different kinds of selling styles are there? Do you, I mean, I've never probably counted, a
2: lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a full time job just to count them up, I think.
1: <laughs> but let's, I mean, one of the things people first thing comes to mind is high pressure selling you know, you, you go in and buy a car and somebody talks about the car and then you're on the way out the door and they say, but just a second, we got somebody else that wants to talk to you. Next thing you've got somebody really coming in hard for the ask, but it's high pressure. Let's talk a little bit about the dangers of high pressure selling.
2: Well, I think the first danger of high pressure selling is nobody likes to be sold, but everybody likes to buy. So what you've done in high pressure sales is you've taken the choice away. You're now pushing versus inviting. And that's a transactional sale, not a relationship sell. And recognizing that if that's the way you're going to sell, you're probably pushing people away versus bringing them in. And I think that in today's peer review society, how interconnected the world is, I don't know a single organization or company out there that can afford a transactional sale because you want everyone that's buying from you to walk away as a walking commercial. So I think it's quite dangerous, especially in today's world.
1: Yeah, I think the... um negative image that some people have towards sales comes from this high pressure approach that a lot of people take and uh, i know it, it just turns me off personally so on the flip side let's talk about something that i am familiar with and really like and have pushed for years is the consultative selling talk a little bit about what is the nature of consultative selling and why it's so effective
2: So that's my favorite as well, and that's the sales methodology that I use and I teach. It's really about understanding the needs first. So if you're going to consult, let's go to the root of the word, right? Let's go back to school with Dr. Cindy here, you know, (laughs) go to the root of the word. You're consulting. Well, you can't consult unless you do a needs analysis first. It's like a doctor. I can't give you a prescription until I do a diagnosis. And so if there is a consultative aspect to your sale there's a natural curiosity to find what the other person needs to find what they have and where the gaps are so that you can figure out if you have a solution for it or not and i think there's some power in that consultative cell too that if you don't have the solution maybe walk away from the sale as well because you're realizing that's not the best Way you, You'd you go into, into high-pressure sales, right? So you walk away if it's not the right fit. If your diagnosis of that organization doesn't fit the medicine that you've got, that's okay, too. That's That uh,
1: takes a big person to do that.
2: It does. And a lot of salespeople are scared of that because they're afraid to lose the sale, right? Right.
1: Now, my wife sold for IBM and DEC and then um, another company. And she was a natural consultative salesperson and totally ticked off her bosses from time to time because she would go in and really hear what they have. And she'd say, you know, you really ought to look at this. And I can tell you over many years, her customers loved her and they knew she could be trusted. Uh, Now, back to the, the details, maybe you want to comment on that.
2: I do, because I think that's actually her building her own brand and her own reputation. And I would guarantee she got more referrals from doing that and being so honest and being trustworthy that she made up for maybe not having that one sale tenfold. And I know that's happened in my own career where I'll be honest with somebody and say, we're not a fit for you. And here's the reasons why. And they'll say, no, 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 we want this. We want this. It's not a fit. It's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for us. And then we'll get a an inbound call or an inbound email that says, "Oh, you know, so and so gave us your name." And it it's about really helping people if you can, and being brave enough to say, "No, I can't." And that that's a that's a that's a big a big j- sales job if you're uh, if you're up for it.
1: <laughs> this is Tom Laurie You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with sales skills expert Cindy McCovert. Yeah, I think it gets back to. Um, People are looking for solutions, and they want to get their problem solved so they can move on. I, I, when we were talking last week, I was telling a quick story about I was in the neurosurgical business of uh, the medical device hydrocephalus shunt, and we had uh, developed a new shunt that was superior. We tested our competition. And I went out in the field and I went and traveled with one salesperson who went in and talked to the neurosurgeon and said, this shunt does this, 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 that. And right away, the surgeon says, well, I'm not sure about number five. And we spent the rest of the day or the hour talking about number five and never got the order. I went out in the field with another salesperson who was really geared to consultative selling. And this is where I got hooked. And he started out by saying, what kind of problems you have? And then he knew a lot of the problem surgeons. He says, is infection a problem? Yes. Why is that? Well, we uh, the residents usually do the surgery. Uh, so the infection, and then that salesperson says, well, you know, we've got a new shunt that reduces infection. Then they were in sync and they had something to talk about. It was incredible to watch
2: you become on the same side going after the same goal, whereas that more manipulative high-pressure sales is you're on opposite sides of the table. So it takes a lot longer to get to the middle. (laughs) But if you start on the same side, moving towards the same goal it's a shorter sale it's a faster sale and you've actually created a raving fan in the process because they see you as on the same side as them not against them or pushing something on them it's it's a whole different relationship
1: so the key there is you don't sell features and benefits unless you can match them to
2: the need right that's exactly right that's exactly right
1: and then how what do you suggest to people on overcoming objections I, everyone, there's always some objections. i I don't care how good you are. Any thoughts on that? So
2: absolutely. So I think that there are always objections because they're not objections. They're questions. They're concerns. They're, you know, not an obstacle and i think that that's what i would encourage people to consider is prepare for that that's part of your pre-call planning that's part of your perspective plan for your conversation with any client out there what do you anticipate because you know they're going to throw something at you so is there a way that you can weave that concern into the conversation to address it before it comes up is there a way that you can make sure you have an answer to any of those questions that they're going to raise because again it's a question a concern maybe even a complaint but i don't think it's an objection at the end of the day
1: and um selling my dad was in advertising and he really encouraged all of us there's six of us also five boys and one girl we weren't my my sister played for the chicago bears she was tough But my dad really uh, pushed all of us to get into early in our career to get into some kind of a selling situation and we had a guest samantha mccroskey just a few weeks ago who was doing a, um, background checks uh, at a very high level but she started out she said she was an introvert and she started out in her family business selling in the store and learned a lot so what advice would you have quickly we're going to run out of time for people that are introverts and how they get started maybe let's do this let's come back and talk about that after the break so this is uh tom lorry and this is the mentors
0: radio show and now back to the mentors where remarkable ceos challenge your thinking about life and business
1: Welcome back. This is Tom Lorre, and I'm with Dr. Cindy McGovern, the author of Sell Yourself, How to Create, Live, and Sell a Powerful Brand. So when we closed in the last segment, we're talking about what is an introvert? Do you have to be an extrovert, an introvert? And if I were an introvert, how do I get started getting comfortable with this?
2: So the first thing that I would say is introverts actually make the best salespeople because they're naturally curious and they're really good listeners. Not every extrovert is a great listener. So to be really successful at sales, consultative sales in particular, you got to listen. So I would say that they've already started and they've got an advantage over some. But if you're really an introvert, you recognize, gosh, I'm super shy. I I really feel weird about selling myself or putting myself out there. I don't want to be braggadocious. The first thing to remember is you're leaning on the world to see your superpowers. You're leaning on them and hoping that they're going to see the greatness within you. And I don't think any of us do this life alone. I think we all help each other, and I think we're all better for it if we bring our best selves to the table. So, as an introvert, you're not able to help others unless we know what skill set you have unless we know your superpowers. so don't don't let the world miss you. Don't let the world pass you by. Make sure that if you can't brag about it, you surround yourself with people who can brag about you. And I think it's really important,
1: yeah. Sales techniques, when it comes to employment, they come in and out depending on what's going on in the employment market. And we know we've gone through a period here recently where people were short supply, and as a result, potential employees kind of dissed the employers and played hard to get and so on. But that's flipped around, and we're now going to go into a period of possibly a recession, fewer jobs. And people having to go out and uh, find their next gig. And I've spent 20 years working, as you know, in a a program for people that are in transition. So let's just talk a little bit about, because there are a couple of things we learned in our 20 years of working with over 6,000 people. So many people are on the inside and haven't been on the outside. So they don't understand how to sell or what selling's about. They're afraid of it. They have a negative uh, feeling about it. And the other side, for people that have been selling, they've never had to sell themselves. That's amazing to me when I get somebody and I say, well, how do you sell yourself? And they go, well, I've never had to, not realizing that. So talk a little bit about people in transition and the role of sales, the role of learning about how to do this, and maybe some resources they can go to.
2: Yeah. So... I think that the first thing I would say is, let's remind everyone that they actually do have the sales skill set, and I have proof, and I promised you I have proof, which is we were all five years old at one point. Every five-year-old is the best salesperson, so you have it in you. (laughs) You know how to sell, we just have to tap back into that five-year-old who was singularly focused on getting the toy or the treat or whatever it was. So you do have this within you, it's about recognizing what your end goal is and being able to tell a story, really storytelling about yourself and sharing those examples and sharing those experiences that land with the other person that you're speaking to. So if you're in a, a person in transition, if you're interviewing for a job, that's a sales conversation if I've ever heard of one, is a job interview. You're truly selling yourself. But a lot of people struggle with it because they think, oh, I don't want to come across as bragging. So then tell it as a story. Tell how you affected someone else. Tell how you helped as a teammate, but tell about your experience because that's really how you're gonna sell yourself in that moment. And what you're trying to do is just give them a story to tell about you. You have to give them something to talk about when you're not in the room. And if I don't have a story to tell, then I don't have anything to say. So make sure you leave them with a lasting impression.
1: This is Tom Lawyer, you're listening to the Mentors Radio Show. We are with sales skills expert, Cindy McGovern. So going back to people in transition and telling the story, which I totally agree with, is that as they tell their story, they can weave in things about their achievements. And also, I'm a big fan of making sure they put context. It's one thing for somebody to come in and say, you know, I increased the sales in my territory by 15 or 20%. And my question is, is what did everybody else do in that field? And they they grew at 100%. (laughs) So make sure that there's some uh, context and all of that. Um, What are some of the drastic measures that uh, college grads now have to take to uh, be employable?
2: So I love this question as a former college professor, because I still have a soft spot for these kids as they're coming into the workplace. But one of the biggest challenges that they have right now is They're coming into this in a fairly competitive market at this moment in time, as you know, as this show airs and as we're recording this as a podcast. This is a competitive time. They are going up against people with 20 and 30 years of experience in some instances. So you're going to have to sell your transferable skill set. You're going to have to sell who you are and how that's going to bring fresh eyes, fresh perspective, your energy, your inquisitiveness, your curiosity, because you are going to be selling against somebody that has the experience or has held the job before. Doesn't mean that you can't compete. You absolutely can. But you've got to come strong with the why, why you, why now.
1: And uh, because you're coming out of college, you may not have a history of a lot of work, but there are other things. I think you're saying, look at your life. You may have other stories of some things that really show who you are. I think
2: that's so true. And and it was funny because I just interviewed a recent college grad to join our team, a 22-year-old, and all the questions centered around what she had done at the university and the clubs that she was in and where she was a leader and impact that she had made. A, a college or a high school is an organization at the end of the day. You're still a viable member of those societies Tell the story around how you made an impact and created a legacy there and how you can do that at whatever organization you're interviewing with.
1: And I would suggest that people can get your books. And you also have a website, uh, drcindy.com, which uh, you post some blogs on so they get more other things, other resources that they should be looking at uh, in terms of, I'm thinking now, in particular, somebody coming out of college and getting more comfortable with this.
2: So, I actually wrote a bonus chapter for college grads. Funny that you say that. And I wrote one for people who are doing job interviews, who are in transition. So, those are available on the site as well in the bonuses. But more importantly, there are free resources out there for you. There are blogs, there are podcasts, there are books. But what I would tell you to do is take an honest inventory of what your superpowers are, of what your skill sets are, ask for honest feedback from those around you, and elevate the parts of your brand that are going to help you get closer to your goal and find ways to get better at the parts that are keeping you from your goals.
1: Are you a fan of uh, Strengths Finder 2.0?
2: I'm a fan of all of those. It's very funny. I've taken probably every single one of those kind of tests I can get my hands on because I think that they're informational. But at the same time, you take that and then you take it maybe with a grain of salt if it feels right or if it feels not right. And then you use that as fuel, you know, hey, this test is telling me this, you know, we were talking about this during the break, introvert versus extrovert tests. I'm probably all extrovert on every test I've ever taken, but I would argue that there are some days I am very much an introvert.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I get that. So we're going to go to our last segment. We're going to be back in a few minutes. We're with the first lady in sales Dr. Cindy McGovern you'll find all of our show notes and we will put a link to Dr. Cindy's uh, website at our mentorsradio.com and when you're there make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any other shows this is Tom Laurie and this is the mentors radio show
0: And now back to the mentors where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom
1: Laurie, and I am with the first lady of sales, Dr. Cindy McGovern. So one of the things we want to cover is the fact that there are different kinds of people out there selling. And uh, there's one group in particular that are hard to find and they can make a lot of money. And I call those the prospecting types. And then there's the maintenance types And in my experience, the maintenance ones are the ones that go in and say, how's your, how's your, how's your. And the prospectors are the ones that really create new businesses and they solve problems and so on. Could you just comment on that as well about the different uh, types Archetypes, I Absolutely. guess
2: they are. <laughs> Absolutely. I love I love that archetypes and sales for sure. So the prospecting types are the hunters. They're the ones that are naturally curious. They're they're constantly looking for that next opportunity, that next relationship, that next sale. Whereas the maintenance folks are pretty happy where they're at. And I would argue that some maintenance people started as prospectors and then they got their book of business to a space that they were like, hey pretty comfortable. I don't need to go and put forth that amount of effort. But they're both needed in sales and to run an organization, you need somebody to nurture and you need somebody to continue to bring in new business. But I would tell anybody out there, recognize who you are. If you're a salesperson, recognize which group you're in, and know your strengths for that group. And if you're an owner or a manager, Recognize what you need on your team. What's the skill set that's missing? If you've got a bunch of maintenance folks and you really need that hunter prospector, you're hiring a different personality than who's on your team right now.
1: And uh, what is the thread that you found in other people that distinguishes them at being the happiest?
2: Wow. Wow. Good question. That distinguishes them as being the happiest in sales?
1: Well, there's a th- No, not sales, in life.
2: Just In general. You know, I think it's around helping other people. I really do. I think that we all get a high from that. And I think we all, it feels good to help somebody else. And so I think that's part of my attraction to sales is I get a chance to help people every day. I think that's part of my attraction as a teacher. I wanted to help others. And I think we all have that. So I would say that's that's one of the biggest ways to be happy is to find a way to make an impact on somebody else.
1: Great, great information. And then uh, confidence, the importance of confidence in going forward.
2: Well, nobody is going to look at you and say, oh, you're the smartest, you're the best, you're the best, you're the best. So you got to have that confidence to to bring some of that to the forefront. And so finding a way to tell your own story about how what I call your superpowers can help others and the way to bring those out into the world is is key and confidence doesn't come naturally for most um and so it's working on that and finding a way to surround yourself with people that can help you along if you're not the person that can ever raise your hand find people that can be advocates with you and for you
1: and being a curious person what is it that you do in your spare time
2: (laughs) Uh, i love being on the water Uh, I'm a boater, I love travel, I love being outdoors. So um, travel is probably my latest bug and trying to get uh, to see as many places and as many UNESCO World Heritage sites that I can.
1: And when you say boating, is that sailing or boating?
2: Boating, with a motor.
1: (laughs) With a motor, okay. And And then when you review, looking back on your life, what's the funniest thing that ever happened to you?
2: Oh gosh. The funniest thing that ever happened to me, there are so many things running through my head. I would say one of the funniest things that ever happened to me is I literally fell on my face once in front of a bunch of clients huh. and I stood up and I brushed off my hands and I went clear.
1: <laughs> and what is it that your husband does?
2: Uh, he, he's an FBI agent.
1: So does he listen to your uh, uh, teaching about selling? Does he use what you do in his work?
2: You know, I would say he probably does. He's a supervisor. So I would say he's selling his ideas all day, every day. So I I would say he's using some of these. He's read the books. I I do know he's read them.
1: (laughs) And what's the one habit you wish you could break?
2: My incessant need to check my email (laughs) at all hours of the day.
1: (laughs) Well, that's an interesting one. I'm just uh, finishing up a book about focus and how many times a day we're disrupted with uh, emails and Uh, Facebook, and everything else, which is stealing a lot of time from us. Well, anyways, it's been a pleasure having you as my guest. Thank you very much for joining us, Cindy. We've been with Cindy McGovern, sales coach, public speaker, and author. We will be posting links to Cindy's books on our website, thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make it easy for yourself. Subscribe to future shows and listen to past episodes of The Mentors. You can also listen to us online, any device, anytime on any podcast platform. Join us next week at the same time for the next edition of The Mentor's Radio. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember you to be all you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness.
0: It's been The Mentor's, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business.